All right, take your Bibles and turn to chapter 1 again, the book of Isaiah, and um, let's finish this indictment, this indictment against the Jewish people. Um, verse 27, chapter 1. Zion will be redeemed with justice. Now, that's not going to be soon in, in the context of the book of uh, Isaiah. We're still waiting for this to happen, and it's going to happen when the Lord Jesus comes back and her repentant ones with righteousness. But transgressors and sinners will be crushed together, and those who forsake the Lord will come to an end. Please notice that, those who forsake the Lord. Those who forsake the Lord. To walk away from your Creator and the one who saved you uh, is an abomination. Verse 29, Surely you will be ashamed of the oaks which you have desired. The, the oak trees, or the, the, the groves of the oak trees where they, they've offered sacrifices to the pagan gods, to the pagan deities. And you will be embarrassed at the gardens which you have chosen. For you will be like an oak whose leaf fades away <clears throat> or as a garden that has no water. Now come down to chapter 2, because in chapter 2, and, and, and God always does this. He, he'll give a judgment, and then He will give some hope. He will give some hope. And the hope will be the coming of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is stated in so many words here in chapter 2, uh, through the first, uh, the first four verses. The word which Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now remember, I want to keep reminding you, Judah is that southern kingdom. It will be the last one to apostatize away from God. The northern kingdom, Israel, will be the first one to turn away from God. And they will go into captivity by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. The southern kingdom will go into captivity in 586 B.C., Judah. Now it will come about that in the last days, in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief or the head of the mountains and will be raised above the hills. And all the nations, please look at this, all the nations, all the nations will stream to it, will come to Jerusalem. And many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. By the way, Jacob is another name for Israel. To the house of the God of Israel. Now I want you to notice something. Look, look carefully. The nations and the peoples will say, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord. Are the nations today appreciative of the Jewish people? Are they supportive, most of them supportive of the Jewish people? Of course not. Uh, it, it's hard to fully fathom the source of anti-Semitism, the, the hatred of the Jewish people. It's almost impossible to figure it out. The only answer is a satanic ploy, a satanic uh, detesting of the Jewish people. It's the only thing you can come up with is that the, the peoples of this earth, the Gentiles of the earth, hate the Jewish people. You better be on the right side. You better be on the right side. In fact, I want to go to a passage in uh, the book of, uh, of Romans. Flip over to the book of Romans. And um, I'll go to a passage in chapter 11. 
chapter 11. And I want to look at um, uh, <clears throat> verse 27. 1127. I want to ask you, what do you think about the Jewish people? What's your, what's your opinion of the Jewish people? Look at, look at this passage. Chapter 11, verse 27. This is my covenant with them, the Jewish people, uh, God's own people. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. From the standpoint of the gospel, they, the Jews, they are enemies for your sake, for the sake of the believers in Christ. They are enemies for the sake of of the, for, the, for, the, for the gospel read it again from the standpoint of the gospel they the Jews are enemies for your sake but from the standpoint of God's election God's choosing they the Jews are loved their beloved are loved for the sake of the fathers the fathers of Abraham Isaac and Jacob God loves the Jewish people because he's made promises, he's made promises to the Jewish fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He loves them. My question to you, do you love the Jewish people? God does. Even in their unbelief. Even in their unbelief. Do you love them? And they were in unbelief when Paul wrote this. And Paul was even being persecuted by his own, his own people. And yet he says, from the standpoint of God's election or God's choosing... They, the Jews, are loved or beloved, beloved for the sake of the Gospels. And in verse 29, is very important. Look at verse 29. For the gifts of God and the calling of God are irrevocable. When God called the Jewish people, even though they have been sinners, even though they rejected Christ, He is not finished with the Jewish people. His calling is irrevocable. He will not change His mind. He loves them. He's going to woo them back to Himself. He's going to restore their land. And they will again be seen by the nations and through the eyes of God's love and they'll understand, the nations will understand that they are God's people. Go back to Isaiah 2 and verse, three, verse 2 again. Verse 2, 2, 2. And all the nations will stream to it, to the mountain of the Lord. All the nations will stream to the mountain of the Lord and many peoples will come and say, come, let's go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Israel, that He may teach us concerning His ways. That's the kingdom, folks. That's the 1,000-year reign of Christ. The 1,000-year reign of Christ on the earth. Now, how will the nations learn right from wrong? From God. And how are they going to learn the right from wrong? By coming to the mountain of the Lord, coming to Jerusalem. The world will be so bankrupt morally and spiritually, so bankrupt, so disconnected from, from spiritual truth, they're going to have to come to Jerusalem, come to, to the city of Jerusalem to find out about the Lord. To find out about the Lord. That's what the passage says. That He may teach us concerning His ways, that we, we may walk in His paths. For the law will go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord will go forth from Jerusalem. And he will judge between the nations, and he will render decisions for many peoples, and they will hammer the swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. 
nation will not lift up sword against nation and never again will they learn war. Would you please look at that? Never again will they learn war. Never again. Nation will not lift up sword against nation. So when are we going to have peace? Only when the Lord Jesus comes back and establishes His kingdom in Jerusalem. That's the only time we're going to have peace. That's the only time we're going to have peace. Some of y'all may have seen the article yesterday in the Waco Tribune about the uh, the conclave of, of Muslims and, and Jews and Christians they had at, at Baylor University. And everybody said, oh, we're all coming together. There's, there's virtually no difference in the religions of Islam and Christianity. And oh, we're going we're going to depart from this, this meeting here at Waco and at Baylor and find peace. Say peace to your friend and to your neighbor. Because we've all met and had this uh, this little meeting at Baylor University. Well, take your Bibles and go back to uh, the book of Romans in chapter 5. How does the world ultimately find peace? I read this yesterday morning, but I'm going to read it again. Romans chapter 5. How do we get peace? Through Islam, the Koran, no. Muhammad? No. How do we find peace? It's not going to be with, with Islam. And by the way, I want to know how our ancestors for hundreds of years, uh, uh, people who knew anything about the Middle East, call Islam the religion of the sword. Were they stupid or something? Do they know something we don't know? The religion of the sword? Look at Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, by faith in Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is not through Islam. You can't bring together a bunch of Muslims and Christians and say, now we're going to have peace. It won't work. Only peace comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at verse 10, Romans 5.10. For if while we were enemies, enemies with God, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Through the death of His Son. They don't believe that Jesus uh, died for the sins of the world. They don't believe that. They don't really need to believe that they need a personal Savior. Through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we'll be saved by His life. Again, how do we get peace? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. And only when He comes back. Uh, if the world, if the, if the individual today doesn't say, I believe that He died for my sins, well, He's going to come back He's going to establish worldwide peace. Only Christ can do that. Only He will do that. I'll read a few more verses here in chapter 2, then we're going to stop. Verse 6. For you, God, speaking to God, you have abandoned your people, the house of Israel or the house of Jacob. You have left them. Why? Because they're filled with influences from the east. That's very interesting. From the east, from the Middle East, from the, from, from, the, from, the, from the gods of these nations that they've been influenced by. And they are soothsayers like the Philistines. They strike bargains with the children of foreigners. Ah, they make agreements with pagan people, children of foreigners. Their land has also been filled with silver and gold, and there's no end to their treasures. Their land has also been filled with horses, and there's no end to their chariots. That is the people of the east. Their land has been filled with idols. 
They worship the work of their hands, that which their fingers have made. So the common man has been humbled, and the man of importance has been abased. But you, God, do not forgive them. Do not forgive them. Look at verse 11. Verse 11. The proud look of man will be abased, and the loftiness of man will be, will be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. In the day when Christ comes back, only the Lord will be exalted when the Lord Jesus comes back the second time and establishes His kingdom. I want you to look at verse 11. I'm going to make a couple of statements and then we'll stop. The proud look of, may I say, humanity will be abased. It's not talking about a specific man, but humanity. The proud look of humanity, people, will be abased. And the loftiness, oh, the high mightiness of humanity will be humbled. And only the Lord will be exalted in that day when the Lord Jesus comes back and establishes His kingdom. For the Lord of hosts, verse 12 and we're through, the Lord of hosts will have a day of reckoning against everyone who is proud and lofty and against everyone who is lifted up, that he, that person, may be abased, may be knocked to the ground and knocked down. What's the greatest problem of man? The greatest problem is not technology. The greatest problem is not, uh, is not poverty. The greatest problem is pride. Because pride keeps mankind from God. Pride keeps humanity from turning to the Lord. And by the way, what will cause, what will cause, one final question, what will cause the people of the world, when the Lord Jesus comes back, to uh, want to lift Him up, what will cause the fact, in the end of verse 11, that He alone will be exalted in that day? What's going to cause that? Why is He the only one going to be exhausted, exalted? Because the rest of the world will be coming out of what? When He comes back. That seven-year horrible period of tribulation. Few people are going to be left alive on this earth in that seven-year tribulation. Do you know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior? Because if you don't, you will be here for that seven-year tribulation. And I'm going to give you some bad news. And I keep doing this. I keep warning you all every week almost. What do your kids and your grandkids know? Well, you know, we just can't talk to them about these things. What if one of your grandkids had a huge cancer tumor on the by his back? Would you not warn him? So many of Christian young people today are coming out of Christian families. Young people coming out of Christian families do not know spiritual truth. They're not getting it in their churches. They're not getting it at your kids' homes. They got a big tumor on their back. Oh well, we don't want to, we don't want to disturb them. We don't cause any problems in the family. To tell them that they're seeking a material gain. By the way, you know the surveys have been taken. You know what kids in the United States, the two most important things to the kids in the United States today is to, is, is, is is prosperity and to be famous. 
They want to be famous and they want to make a lot of money. The two things that drive young people today. And what are you, as a parent or grandparent, telling them? Christ is going to come back someday and we're getting extremely close. Let's close in prayer. Father, we pray that these words will awaken all of us shake us up as to what really, really counts in this life. What really counts? What's the most important things to us? And I'm afraid, Father, that we've all, as believers, older believers, drifted along thinking that all the blessings of America will just continue on forever as it has been. And we know from the Bible we know from looking around that that's not going to be. Please awaken us as we go through this book of Isaiah. In Jesus' name, amen.